Hello and welcome to the latest uh, Business Leader Insight brought to you today by our sponsor, Nightstone Capital. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Business Leader uh, is the UK's leading B2B media platform. We have a print magazine, uh, live and virtual events network and a website updated daily with news and insight. You can find out more about us at www.businessleader.co.uk. This live interview series is seeing us bring you some inspiring business figures and personalities. And for today's interview, we're speaking to Merlin Griffiths. Uh, many will recognize Merlin as the friendly barman and the first port of call for the nervous diners in the Channel 4 show, First Dates. But there's much more to him than meets the eye. Often referred to as the king of cocktails, Merlin has been a mixologist traveling the world and whipping up drinks for over 25 years. He's also the proud owner of a country inn in Northamptonshire, giving him first-hand experience of the difficulties the hospitality sector is facing. So we'll start with the uh, questions. Uh, welcome, Merlin, this morning. Hi, thank you for having me, Ollie. Uh, good stuff. I mean, initially, uh, Merlin, it'd be good just to find out about your, your background and your, and your history. Yeah, um, blimey. I think like a lot of people, you never quite plan to get into bars and restaurants, do you? You sort of end up working through it. Um, so yeah, I sort of started when I was about 19, um, collecting glasses up in the West End, worked through Soho, worked through the West End of London, uh, worked through West London, uh, did a bit of time in events and, and what have you. Uh, Party in the Park, you might remember, you see the big the big events like that, Ministry of Sound for New Year's Eve um, at the Millennium Dome, things like this. Uh, Ended up in India, of all places. Spent two years working out there for Taj Hotels uh, and living in India. Uh, and then through corporate global marketing with uh, being a global ambassador for Bombay Sapphire before uh, finally getting my own pub. Oh, nice. Well, and, and I, I assume, yeah, you're in your uh, pub today, Merlin, which is great. And I just want to um, talk about, obviously, you know, the impact the pandemic has had on restaurants and bars, including your own. I mean, how, how have you found the, these eight to nine months? It's been difficult, hey? I mean, you know, I beyond opening up your very first operation, I don't think I've ever faced a more challenging time in business. I really don't. Um, you know, to to try and operate or not, uh, as it were, under restrictions for, yeah, as you say, it's, it's, it's about eight months now. It's incredibly difficult. I mean, the initial stress when it first came out, I saw it sort of coming about two weeks before, two or three weeks before, my, my partner and I we were sort of going, you know what, it's going to happen, isn't it? They're going to close us. They're going to close us. We know they are. Um, you know, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks before it happened, I'd flagged it with my landlord, for instance, to say, listen, I, I think we're going to get closed. There's probably going to be a few rent issues here, for instance, and things like that. And then when it actually happens, though, in that first sort of day, you sit down, and you're like, wow, this is very strange. What on earth are we going to do? By this point, you know, you, you're sort of looking at a list of creditors and general things that you sort of would do on a day to day basis and going, I've got to try and cover a lot of this, haven't I? over the next few months. What, what's going to happen? How's it all going to work? Um, so yeah, incredibly stressful, incredibly stressful when it happened. Um, but you know, you, you, you hunker down, I think, at some point, and, and, and you work out a way forward. We're still here now, um, and so are many others, thankfully. And Touchwood, <laughs> I think hospitality is resilient, and we'll get through. No, that's good, man. And I mean, I guess it's, you know, it, it, this is unprecedented times, but how have you found the messaging from from the kind of powers that be, you know, because it's been on, off, on, off? Like, is that, have you found that confusing? Could it have been better for you? Um, it's not been easy, I'll be honest there. Um, but realistically, you see, this is, for me, it's, it's been an exercise in control more than anything else, because there is so much of this that you literally can't control, you know, it, Great. Give me a three weeks heads up on things. Don't give me a three weeks head up on things. Either way, it's something that's out of my control. And so 
I sort of quickly decided very early on to try not to stress about stuff that's out of my control. And so you go back to your business and you go back to the drawing board and go, what can I control? I mean, one of the first things that we were doing in the lead up to the lockdown and then in the week or two after that, I was speaking to every single supplier. I cancelled every direct debit, first thing, right? Get, get a rigorous control on cash flow, but nothing leaves without my say-so. Right, you know you're going to be closed for a considerable amount of time. I, I can't have that being chipped away with regular direct debits and so on. Speak to everyone, defer things, payment plans, renegotiate contracts. Honestly, and, and in all fairness, suppliers across the board were brilliant here as well. You know, like waste contractors, for instance. You know, you, you're a contracted thing there. If you just say, "Listen, can you just put it on pause? I fully intend to finish my contract." However. Pause it for now and we'll resume it as and when we have some clarity on where we go forward. And they were all really good with us, working with us. Likewise with suppliers. Let's face it, a lot of us, what you do, you see, don't you? You, you sort of build up a head of steam, right? The money comes in and then you pay off your suppliers or then you pay off your NI or then you pay off your VAT. It's all sort of slightly retrospective a lot of the time, the way the cash flow is working. And so, you know, in, with, with that in mind, you're suddenly going, I'm not going to be able to build this head of steam now going ahead. So realistically, I do need to put a stop on things. So suppliers were brilliant in holding, you know, we paid them little towards our bills and so on, but just said, listen, can you guys put that on ice for now? Um, there was also the prospect, wasn't there, of, of possibly some off sales, takeaways, any other retail opportunities, things like this, you know, if people started to get creative with their businesses, you know, during lockdown. Um, you know, with that in mind, yeah. So again, we moved all our suppliers to cash up front for, for orders for there. So you've got previous balances on ice, new ones moving forward on delivery. Thank you very much. You know, so, so you really control that. That was a huge, huge, huge part for me at the beginning and how it impacted us and how we sort of dealt with it. No, thanks, man. And obviously, as, as part of this sort of up and down last nine months, obviously, August was where we had the uh, Eat Out to Help Out scheme. And a report has said that they feel that could have been a major fact, factor behind the second coronavirus uh, spike. With that in mind, do you think the hospitality industry is getting unfairly blamed um, for the virus? Because obviously it's always the first to kind of get shut down um, and, and impacted. It's an odd one, isn't it? It's, it, it? The hospitality is sort of a gimme because you know that people socialise there. It's it's what we are. It's what we do. Hospitable, social, you know. Um, and, and so obviously it's, it, I think it's a gimme for anyone to point a finger and go, well, that must be an issue. Um you know, I, I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not a virologist, I'm not an expert in statistics. So I really, you know, I'm not going to comment on that side, but it's hard not to feel put upon as a publican. And I think Tom Courage recently summed it up beautifully when he said that as well, because we've gone through 47 pages of health and safety guidance in order to make our places as safe as possible. We're sanitizing before and after guests. We've got sanitizers on entrances and exits. We've got QR codes. We've got PPE up to here. Um, you know, all of these parts, you know, we've distanced our chain. We've distanced our tables. We've reduced our capacities. We've even now had to reduce our opening hours and so on. So when you've done all of that stuff, it is sort of quite hard not to feel put upon. And I think in some senses as well, there's an element of it being slightly demeaning towards our guests. As far as I'm aware, our average, our average guest comes in for a bite to eat, a drink or two, and then merrily goes on their way. They don't drink 16 pints and lick each other's faces. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 really. And I don't, so I don't think that's fair to sort of point at people like that. Um, you know, but we are where we are. 
definitely no. We do, and we get on with it. This is, you know, it's a challenging business. Let's face it, this is a challenging business by definition. And so I think, you know, these are these are just more hurdles that we have to jump over and get hoops to jump through, and we'll do it. Just focusing now on on the recovery. I mean. I guess there's a lot, you know, a lot of people are kind of that. Well, they are they're stuck indoors, that they're not doing what they normally do. I mean, do you see a surge in people coming out um, to restaurants and bars and experience when this when this is over? And I guess, do you have any tips for restaurant owners now how they can kind of prepare for that and, and bar owners? Let's see. Um, you know, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I'll start at the beginning. There, there were four things that I sort of focused on business wise when we when we sort of came into restrictions, and that was, as I said, control was one thing, care was the second thing we highlighted. So this was looking after your staff, looking after your teams, right? Making sure that they're there. Um, again, like a lot of businesses, limited cash flow there. Um, you know, the, the job support schemes and so on hadn't started to filter through. They were taking their time. We made perfectly amicable arrangements with our staff to say, listen, if you need support and you need money, come to me. You know, we can log this as a sub for now until we get reimbursed. When we get reimbursed, Obviously, we'll give you your full payment minus any deductions. You know, so our staff are very kind with working with us like this. It was about looking after people and really working with them. Um, then there was the reduction. You start trimming the fat, honestly. So, you know, while I'm closed, I spent a lot of time renegotiating prices and contracts, um, readjusting menus, product listing, so on. Make sure you're, when, when we can come to reopen, make sure you're leaner, fitter, more profitable. And then we focused on an area we called rebuilding. And this is going, right, okay, so traditionally, busy, full capacity park all the time, you're always just running at 100 miles an hour. It's like hard work, we work 24-7 in this business. Uh, what else can this site be? I've got a commercial site here with, with licenses. Surely there's more stuff I can do. And, you know, there's always, I think all of us have, a few little ideas in the background, don't you? You think, oh, it would have been nice to have done this, and it would have been great to have done that, but we never really quite had the time. Now is the time. You've got the time now. Focus on those. Those, those pie-in-the-sky ideas might not be so pie-in-the-sky. Um, you know, we've, we've seen retail opportunities abound. I've seen post offices. as well. I've got a friend in Cornwall, for instance. Um, he's, he, set up a, he set up a farm shop, a local shop, uh, in, the, in, a, in an outbuilding at the back of his pub down in Cornwall. Um, throughout lockdown that was that was grossing over four thousand a week for him you know that, that's the difference between bankruptcy and not you know these little things um and there he aggressively pursued market market sort of openings there as well because you look at your average village shop they tend to be uh, a chain brand you know uh, one of your spas or something as a local co-op or what have you so they have quite a generic product range so he goes no i'm going to be fish People love fish in my area. And that's what really drove his sales for him. We did the same here at mine. Um, artisanal cheeses and breads and uh, farm meats from our local farm meat supplier. That, it, it was great. And, and, these, and these also now provide some hours for my staff, you know, as well. When flexible furlough comes in, so you can start slowly getting your staff back to work and making them feel useful. I'll be honest, you know what? They're, they're sitting around, by the way, on that subject, sitting around, it clearly seems isn't uh, the natural state of affairs for people. It took about three to four weeks before I had staff ringing me up going, I'm bored. Are you sure there's nothing I can do to help? Are you sure there's nothing I can come and do? <laughs> it was great. It was seriously, I loved getting those calls when we checked in with them. We have a staff WhatsApp group. We always checked in with them once a week. Um, but yeah, when they finally start calling, going, please, I don't want to cool my heels anymore. I actually just do want to work, which was really, really nice. Um, you know, and I hope people have still got, you know, thanks to the furlough scheme, have still got their sort of pretty much complete teams to draw on. Because as you say, what do we do next? Um, you know, and how's it going to look? Propel. Uh, did you read the Propel newsletters? 
because they're saying sort of late summer next year, mm. possibly you might get back to, you know, your, your expected trade levels. Other sources are going as far forward as 2022, 23. What's going to happen when it's over? Who says it's over? I don't know. Is this just like a slow transition? Or is somebody going to pop up on the news and go, it's over, guys. That's it. You can go out. Like, you know, which, which, you just don't know what this looks like, do you? I th personally speaking, I think it's going to be a slow phasing back to normality. What's going to be interesting is those first couple of weeks of unrestricted trade. That moment you're told you can open your full licensed hours. You can do it at full capacity without distancing your tables. All you need is just a little bit of, extra health and safety around the edges, maybe a little sanitizing, you know, may, maybe a bit of masking in service or something, but but more or less unrestricted trade, as we all know it, that's when it's going to be interesting. I, I think you'll get the first week or two, it'll just be a slow trickle in as people get used to this. There's a lot, there, there's a lot of fear and rightly so around this, as you know, don't forget from consumers as well. I've noticed every time there's a bad news cycle, for instance, um, now since we've been allowed to reopen, we get between a three and a five day slump on sales, as soon as there's a bad bit of news, oh, deaths have spiked or cases have spiked. Bingo, that's it. People start going out instantly. And then their confidence comes back again a few days later as that wanes. And so with that in mind, I think you'll get a one or two week little build. But then when the confidence is there and set in and people are ready to go out again and, and they know, and we know already, you know, we've, there's a lot of messing around it. Hospitality can operate safely. You know we can. Um, once that happens, yeah, it's going to be busy. I think then you'll see it'll get really busy. Everyone will be coming back out again. Um, and I really look forward to those days. And I, and I know my regulars do too, you know, especially we're rural. So for a lot of people that come, it's, it's you know, it's a huge part of their lives. We, we are social creatures by definition. There's only so much socializing, honestly, you can do on the phone and over Zoom. Um, you know, you need to, at some point, friends and families want to see each other face to face. That day when you know that it's safe to hug someone again, that's going to be a big day. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Well, I think we're 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 all looking forward to that day, Merlin. And um, I just want you know you 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 talk about the impact this is having and, and how long it's taken to get back to normal. You don't have to kind of name names, but in, in anyone in your network or have you heard of, of publicans that that have kind of thrown in the towel and and and, and they're going under? It, it, has it got that bad yet? I know of people that are exceptionally worried. Yes. I mean, you know, every time and especially with forced closures as well, you know, each time you're just looking at this going, but, you know, unless your landlords were very kind, I've still got rent you. And then there's a lot of deferment. I think the biggest worry actually I'm getting from a lot of the, the, the people in my network is what happens next year, you know, because you, you've got deferred back payments, deferred mm. NI payments, the return of business rates and so on. Um, you know, alongside obviously an expectation that rents will go back to normal levels where where those that have had discounts have had them. Um, you know, so with all that in mind, next year, people are looking at it very carefully and cautiously. Um, and I think there is, yeah, in business, there's a necessity to keep very tight handle on your cash flow for the next 12 months, a very tight handle. You, you know, you want to be doing, instead of your monthly accounts, you want to be doing weekly accounts. Um, you know, more, more in-depth stuff. You want to be charting longer-term trends. Um, and, and alongside that, you know, there's the creative element. As I say, 
Look at what else your business can do. We've seen it from the bigger chains, Hawksmoor and so on, Dishoom doing these eat out at homes, elite bistros. They're doing these wonderful cook yourself meals at home. Um, through to regular, there's a lovely publican I know just up in Leicestershire, Geese and Fountain, Nick, you know, for instance, rather than just doing one or two things for a, for a takeaway or delivery, they're doing a, a full, all singing, all dancing pub menu. And their regulars around there are absolutely loving it. Absolutely <laughs> loving it. No, they really are. Uh, uh, cooking things that you normally just wouldn't do at home. Um, and as I say, the retail opportunities and so on. Um, yeah, but so you're going to be looking hard at what else you can do this year as well. No, thanks, man. I think, yeah, no, that point about all the deferred payments and, and having to kind of be, be tackled next year, I think that that's it, it's, it's going to be a, a tough year, isn't it? But um, I just want to now just talk about um, uh, your kind of role on um, First Dates briefly. And just how, how did that come about, Merlin? How, how did you end up on the show? Um, crikey, bit of luck, really. It was a job interview. Literally, literally was outside job. I had no idea what the whole thing was about. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is when I still had a pub in London. And uh, I had a bit of free time, which was staffed up and I'd got a manager in place there and so on at the time. So, um, yeah, I had a bit of extra time and I saw the job and I thought this could be fun. Why not? Um, yeah, make a few drinks for Channel 4. So I've gone down and, and I've done an interview and, um, yeah, they got back in touch, brought me in for another interview and said, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd like to have you in our restaurant. By the way, here's what it's for. Sent me a few links to some things and I, and I had a little look um, at where First Dates was at the time. I thought, hey, this, this looks great. So they want me to make some pretty drinks for people. That, that's that's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm good with that. Get there and then somebody puts a microphone on you and stands you behind the bar. I'm like, what's the microphone for? They're like, oh, you've got to talk to people as well. I beg your pardon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll be sending people to you at the bar. Oh, right. Okay. Why not? And, and, and yeah, I embraced it. I absolutely love it. I must admit, it's yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely ranks as possibly the most interesting and fun job that I've had over over years and years. Yes, <laughs> no, no, great. It's, it's a great show, Merlin, and, and and you're very good on it. So uh, now I think um, it's it's definitely uh, worked out well. And I just want to um, uh, close on. I mean, something you've worked with called Smart Energy uh, GB recently, and, and a guide to kind of help. Uh, how to help small hospitality business take back control in these, in these times. Can you just tell us about that project? Yeah, absolutely, Ollie. Thank you. Um, yeah, so this is another campaign we're working on there with Smart Energy GB. Uh, the idea is, is speak to your energy supplier and see if you can get a smart meter in. This goes back to what I was saying about controlling controllables, control everything. There's a great way of doing it. Look and see if you can get a smart meter put in. Honestly, electric bills are, are again a significant cost for businesses. So definitely do that. But yeah, I've contributed a lot of what I've been talking about there into this guide, um, along with some uh, along with some other good names as well. Uh, Reza Mohammed from the uh, Reza Mohammed from um, the Star of India in Brompton Road. Uh, we got Mitch Turner, MBE from the Little Venice Cake Company. People like that. Mark Lewis from Hospitality Action. We've all come together and contributed good business tips. Um, to hopefully sort of point people in the right direction and navigate their way through this. And you can get that at smartenergygb.org. Thanks, man. I actually do have one final question. What What's your favourite cocktail? Favourite cocktail? Desert Island cocktail. It would have to... You see, that's how you think of these things. I, honestly, everyone expects you to say like an old-fashioned or a Negroni or something, but realistically, um, I, I'm a martini kind of guy and I like them slightly wet, so a little bit more vermouth in there for me as well but yeah a gin and a gin martini at that and with a lemon twist not an olive i'm very particular um but yeah a wet gin martini with a twist is is me ice cold really super ice cold like it should <laughs> slap you across the chops when you when you lay your lips to it and then every sip after that strokes you better <laughs> <laughs> nice. that sounds like a that sounds like a great cocktail i'm gonna have to try one of those just um a final thought for our, for our viewers today before before we sign off 
Oh, honestly, hospitality, guys, anyone in hospitality out there watching, seriously, you know we are creative, we are diverse, and we are resilient. We can get through this, and my heart goes out to everyone struggling through this. Uh, and really, um, you know, and, and people who aren't publicans and who go to pubs, support them. Support pubs, support bars, support restaurants, especially your local independents. They really will need it at the moment. Give them a ring, see if they're doing any takeaways and things like that at the moment, too. Because um, even though they're closed, they're still allowed to do some stuff. Um, we'll get through this. We smile our way through it. It's what we do in hospitality.